welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. In ancient times, the common people entered the presence of the king at the peril of their own lives. To enter a throne room uninvited, well, that could result in a death sentence. If the king reached for his scepter as a gesture of acceptance of the intruder, the life would be spared. Only the most privileged of the nobility were permitted to stand in the presence of the king, and then only a few at a time. It was thought to be the highest privilege of a human being. You see, our race was barred from the heavenly throne room. Adam's sin has caused a rift. The audience chamber became off-limits to mortals. We were diagnosed as terribly unworthy. We cannot come into God's presence without a mediator, someone who can touch both humanity and divinity. But the good news is, the Bible says, a mediator has been found. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. In the days of Queen Esther, she ventured into the monarch's chamber. What a relief it was when the king reached for his scepter as a gesture of acceptance. Because of Jesus, the good news is that the scepter is always stretched forth to you and me. Not only are we invited into the throne room, we are urged to come. Come all of you who are thirsty, Come to the waters, Isaiah 55 says. And if anyone is thirsty, let him come and drink, John 7 says. The spirit and the bride say, come, Revelation chapter 22. In many instances in our life, it is more important whom you know than what you know. An important friend in high places can solve problems that no amount of skill or knowledge could solve. Now, for the Christian, this is especially true. It is not what you know that is important. It is whom you know. And indeed, the follower of Jesus Christ does have a friend in high places. And this friend declares in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus lives to intercede for us. That is his occupation. He is not sitting passively in blissful royal dignity unmoved while we pray. He is ever interceding for you and for me. He has an infinite concern for us. Now, where do the priorities of Jesus lie? Does he live to control the vast universe of his creation? Well, there is no doubt that this is all under his control. But in Hebrews 7.25, the Holy Spirit conveys to us the heartbeat of Jesus. And that is that he lives to intercede. This is why he can completely save those who are approaching God through him. Because he always lives to speak with God for them. Does Jesus live to enjoy the music of heaven? 
without a question, the heavenly music must be far beyond anything we have or can even imagine. I mean, think of the perfect angels in their constant praise to Jesus. But his principal enthusiasm is devoted to the assignment of making intercession for you and me. Does Jesus live to reign? The Bible says it as King of kings and Lord of lords. He shall reign forever and ever. Yet the very intent of his activities is to make intercession for us. You and I are constantly covered and saturated with his intercession and can be empowered and anointed because of that intercession. He glorifies the Father. He is adored by all the heavenly angels. But his set purpose, the purpose of his life, is for you and me. For us, he appears in the presence of God. For us, he has gone to the mansions of his Father's house. For us, he constantly intercedes. When Jesus was on this earth, he lived and died for our sake. And now that he is in heaven, he continues to live for us. He's not content to give his life for us once. He took up his life and now he lives for us again. The whole life of Christ throughout eternity, his boundless, endless existence is still for us. He loved me and gave his life for me, but that's not all. He still loves me and gives his life for me. A dying Savior was not enough. We have a living Savior who is totally engrossed with our salvation, and it is his sole purpose to answer our prayers. He devotes his life to the preservation of my soul from evil. He answers my prayers when I pray, deliver us from evil. Our Savior ever lives. He has an endless life, an endless priesthood. He provides an endless intercession, endless salvation. He died once, but death has no dominion over him. He says in Revelation 1, verse 18, I was dead, but look, now I am alive forever and always. And I have the keys of death and the grave. You see, as a member of the human race, he bled and died and rose from the dead and has taken his seat at the right hand of God the Father. Christ chose to face life and Satan on the same level that we do. He chose to minister, not primarily through power and attributes of his essential deity as the Son of God, but rather as the Son of Man. His favorite term for himself was Son of Man. He did not put aside his human nature. He continues to wear it. He sits on his throne, not in his pure Godhead, but as one that has been slain. He is the Son of God, but he is still the Son of Man. He lives in our nature. Our Lord is ordained to an unchangeable priesthood. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24, it says, In contrast, he holds the office of priest permanently because he continues to serve forever. His office cannot be taken up by a successor. It is not transferable. We have only one priest, 
and he is our priest forever. A pastor was leaving his church for a new pastorate, and a lady went to bid him farewell. Well, we'll really miss you, she said with tears in her eyes. Oh, don't worry, the pastor said comfortingly. The next pastor will be better than I was. Well, that's just the trouble, she cried. The last pastor before you came made the same promise and it didn't come true. Our high priest has no predecessor and no successor because he lives forever. He reads my heart and has already read it since it began to beat. He knows my grief. He carries my burdens and will continue to bear them for me even when old age shall shrivel my strength. And when I fall asleep in death, he will not die. He will continue to watch over me. He lives to be our advocate, our defender, our mediator. His death provided all that was needed for our salvation. His life applies the provisions that he made by his death. He lives on purpose to see that all the blessed privileges that he purchased at Calvary are made available to us. We're saved because he died, but that salvation is brought home and secured to us because he sits right now at the right hand of the Father, continually making intercession for us. You see, the, the Christian has a wonderful privilege to sit at the foot of Calvary's mountain, contemplating the sacrifice of our Savior. And as with tear-filled eyes, we see the streams of blood which his great heart poured out for our redemption, we have a further privilege to sit at the foot of the throne and behold the splendor of how he spends his life in perpetual intercession. He is just as much our Savior on the throne as he was on the cross. He's always applying to us with his own hands what he purchased by the nailing of those hands to that cruel tree. You see, there's another reason why his constant and continued intercession is so vital to us. There is another who is constantly thinking of us also. He is called the accuser of the brethren. What does the Bible say about him? Revelation chapter 12 in verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now the salvation and power and kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. The accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them day and night before our God has been thrown down. You know, just as Jesus intercedes for us constantly, the enemy accuses us constantly. What chance could we stand if it were not for our glorious advocate? The great accuser subtly contrives and, and, and plots for our overthrow. You know, Jesus said to Peter in Luke chapter 21, verses 31 and 32, Simon, Simon, look, Satan has asserted the right to sift you all like wheat. However, I have prayed for you that your faith won't fail. When you have returned, strengthen your brothers 
and sisters. You see, if we could look behind the scenes, we would see how often we have been hidden from evil by the prayers of Jesus. How many poisoned arrows have been caught by the, the shield of our Lord's intercession. By his intense pleas, our Lord keeps the powers of darkness in check and moves all the powers of light for our rescue. His prayers form an atmosphere of blessing in which we live and move. He is able to save to the uttermost. Whatever the sin, if we come to God by Christ, he forgives. You and I, we have the privilege of praying and we need to pray as though God is God and as though Satan is Satan. Because of what Jesus did and is doing, you and I have the amazing privilege of approaching the sovereign of the universe seated in glory and majesty on his throne. It is a solemn privilege which none of us should take lightly. You know, the psalmist writes in Psalm 89, verse 14, Your throne is built on righteousness and justice. Loyal love and faithfulness stand in front of you. Did you notice the two important parts of this verse? God's throne is a place of justice and judgment. The throne of the universe, but it's also a throne of mercy. Hebrews chapter 4 Verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. His throne is a throne of judgment, but it is equally a throne of grace. Through Christ, God has given us constant access to his throne and he desires us to approach that throne with boldness, it says. God wants you to remember how loved you are, how awaited and constantly welcomed you are. Now, we disappoint our Heavenly Father if we do not come. He wants you and I to intercede for others. We intercede because Christ intercedes for us. The throne of God is a throne of grace because God is a God of grace. It is because of God's grace that his throne is open to us. The book of Hebrews tells us to approach that throne with confidence. You know, the Greek word translated here, confidence, in Hebrews 4.16 means freedom. It means the absence of fear. It means to come with cheerful courage. The Lord who moved and loved us to the point of dying for us, is asking you and I to join in his intercession. Historian Will Durant tells us that during the time of Louis XIV of France, there was an air of austerity about the court of the king. The king said, a measure of severity was the greatest kindness I could do to my people. He kept an eye on everything, the army, the navy, his courts, his household, the finances, the church, the drama, the arts. He was every hour a king. Everyone who wished to speak to the king could, though few took that liberty. Well, you and I, we are given permanent and instant access to the throne room of the king of the universe at any time. 
but there is much more. There is much more that Jesus promises. Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. You see, someday soon we will be taken to heaven and will sit with Jesus on his throne. Now, figuratively, we can be part of that throne now in this life. You see, a Christian can be crucified with Christ, Galatians 2, raised with Christ, Ephesians 2, and seated with him on his throne of intercessory dominion. Now, speaking of this experience, look at what Paul says as he writes to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And raised up as with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He continues in verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon in his typical descriptive way said, when we pray, we are standing in the palace on the glittering floor of the great king's own reception room. And thus we are placed upon a vantage ground. In prayer, we stand where angels bow with veiled faces. There, even there, the cherubim and seraphim adore before that self-same throne to which our prayers ascend. You know, I read this story in a book called More Stories for the Heart that was compiled by Alice Gray. Bob was visiting a garage sale and partially hidden underneath an old comforter, he saw an old Harley Davidson motorcycle. It wasn't part of the garage sale, so he approached the owner and said, is this for sale? Well, the man shrugged and said, that bike hasn't run since I had it. The motor seized up. It won't turn over. It's not worth fixing. But Bob was definitely interested in that old Harley. He offered the man $35 and took the bike home. I mean, even if it didn't run, he thought, he could shine it up and it would be a conversation piece. A few weeks later, Bob called Harley Davidson just to see what some of the parts to restore the bike would cost. The person on the other end of the line asked for the serial number of the old bike. Bob gave him the number, and after a long pause, the man said, Uh, sir, I'm going to have to call you back. Is that okay? Could I get your full name, your address, phone number? Well, Bob provided all of the information, hung up the phone, and after a few minutes, he found himself getting a little nervous, and he kind of regretted having been so free with the information. <clears throat> now, what if the bike had been involved in a crime of some kind? What if it was a stolen bike? I mean, maybe the police were on their way, or worse, a hell's angel ready to reclaim the bike. Well, a few days passed, and the phone rings, and Bob found himself talking to a Harley Davidson executive. Listen, Bob, said the man, I want you to do something for me. Would you take the seat off the bike and see if there's anything written underneath it? Well, Bob grabbed a screwdriver, 
did as he was told, returned to the phone. Yes, he said. It does have something written there. It's something engraved. It says, the king. What is this all about? Well, after a few moments of silence, the voice on the other end said, Bob, my boss has authorized me to offer you $300,000 immediately for that bike. How about it? Do we have a deal? Well, Bob was so stunned he could hardly speak. Uh, I'll have to think about it, he stammered as he hung up the phone and let himself slump slowly to a sitting position on the kitchen floor. Well, the next day, Bob got a call from Jay Leno. Leno offered him half a million dollars for the bike. Well, what made that rusty motorcycle so valuable? It had once belonged to the king of rock and roll. You see, the value of the motorcycle wasn't in the metal or in the parts. It had nothing to do with the bike's beauty or what it was made of or how well it performed. There were people willing to pay a small fortune for the privilege of saying, I own Elvis Presley's motorcycle. What is our value? It's not based on our job title. It's not based on our economic status. It's not based on how well we can perform. We belong to the king. He's not the dead king of rock and roll, but the living king of the universe. We have been redeemed by God's own son at a great price. His name is stamped on your forehead and on mine. And since we have the mark of the king, our value is beyond calculation. And he wants us to come before him with boldness and with confidence. Let's pray. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, thank you that you have stamped your name on our hearts, on our minds. Thank you that in your love you had your son die that we might live. Thank you that as we gather today to study, he intercedes on our behalf, pleading his blood on behalf of our sins. Thank you for loving us. Please bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that time in our program where we have our special offer. On each broadcast, we'd like to make some resources available to you. And the intent of these resources really, first and foremost, is to you know, encourage you to, to further study, to better understand God's will and what his desire is for each and every one of us, not as a way of you know, subduing us, but in, it's the method by which God instructs us how we are to get the most out of life. And uh, today um, we have a series of these little mini signs of the times, uh, flyers, I don't know what they're called, little brochures. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to send you a bunch of these. There, there's a variety of topics, hope in troubled time, 25 Old Testament prophecies fulfilled by the life of Jesus, love letters from Jesus, signs of the times, my dear child. 
I, what I'm going to do, I'd like to, if, you, if, you, if you're interested, I'm going to send you multiples of these, and I'm going to mail them to you, and I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things with them. Obviously, read them, and there's, always, there's some interesting Bible messages here, but I would also would ask you to distribute them in your neighborhood, you know, the grocery store, any place. You find someone that looks like they need a little bit of cheering up, why don't you hand them one of these? And uh, we can spread these out in our community. If you'd like to be part of that project, we'll make these available to you at no cost whatsoever. What you have to do is you have to request them. And in order to request them, you need to follow the instructions that we're going to provide you right now. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request, and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Let me start by thanking you for watching. Uh, if I may be so bold as to ask you to help us get the word out to your friends and to your family that they too may tune in next time that our program is on the air. Also want to draw your attention to some of the things we have available that we can remain connected between broadcasts. Our website, l4ltv.com. You have access to all of our previous programs. Ever since our very first broadcast, you can go on the previous programs tab and you'll see a connection. There are places where you can link. It'll take you to our YouTube channel where all those programs are available. On the website, you will find uh, where I may be appearing live. You'll also have a tab there, it's called Archived Sermons. It's messages that I've presented. I think the ones that are there now is a series I did out in Edmonton a while back. And we cover some interesting topics and uh, so you can watch the presentation. Then there's a handout you can download and it's got the Bible verses and you can read them and there's a few questions there to ask. And we do that as a way of, again, incentivizing you know, every one of us to study more. And so keep that in mind. You can also make a donation from the website. Uh, Instagram, follow me on Instagram. Every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time, put out a one-minute devotional video. Great way to start our day. Like our Facebook page, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow me on Twitter. Look at our uh, SoundCloud page, download an audio version of the program, carry it with you, share it to your friends and family. Very quickly before we go, we have another website, which is Mission Now Canada, which is the overseas humanitarian work we do. Check out that website. Maybe you're interested in coming with us on any upcoming mission trip that we're doing overseas. MissionNowCanada.com. 
They are giving me the sign that I have to go. And I'm going, reluctantly, but I'm going. Hope to see you back here again next time. God bless you. We'll see you back here then.